0: Good morning again. Welcome to Prairie View Christian Church. What Joshua was referring to earlier was that yesterday was Olivia's birthday, and she turned 29. So based on our categories for the sermon series, she is hanging on by a thread in the young season of life. I recently entered the middle-age season of life, Uh, so when she enters the middle-age season next year, I might be looking for a new wife. Um, she, She may already be looking for a new husband. Well, you never know, but in all seriousness, this is the third and final Sunday of our Seasons of Life sermon series, and we've been spending these weeks looking for wisdom from God's word, looking for wisdom from God's people concerning the unique challenges, the unique opportunities that we face as we move through various seasons of life, as we move from youth to middle age and to old age. And so today we focus on that final category, which we've defined as age 60 and up. And if you don't like the term old age, I would suggest trying the biblical and perhaps slightly less offensive term. You could say something like advanced in years. Advanced in years is a good way to put it. Now, of course, I see the irony in that this is the season of life that I am least qualified to speak about. But thankfully, old age is also the season of life that scripture speaks about most regularly and speaks about most explicitly. And on top of that, we have many godly people in this church who are much older, much wiser, and much more qualified than me to talk about following Christ when you reach the age of 60. So in the first half of the sermon, I'm going to do what I can do, and that's point us to relevant scripture. And then for the second half of the sermon, we'll have some believers who are advanced in years come up on stage and share some of their wisdom with us. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs 16, verse 31. Feel free to use the Bibles we have here if you didn't bring one and take a Bible home if you don't own one. But before we read, let's pray together as a church. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. As the seasons change, as our lives change, as we go through the various ups and downs and ebbs and flows and successes and sorrows of everyday life, thank you that you are consistent. You are stable. You are firm. You are strong. You are faithful. And regardless of what it is that we might have been dealing with this past week, regardless of what the week ahead of us holds, you are stable, you are strong, and Father, we trust you, we worship you, and we love you. Thank you that no matter what life throws at us, nothing changes the fact that your Son came and lived and died and rose and ascended and will return. I pray that that would be our solid foundation for whatever it is that we might face day in and day out. And Father, in this church, we know that every single day, every single week, there are praises and there are prayer requests. Some are public and some are not. Uh, And Father, we just lift those all up to you. And I pray that me and Zach and Mark and the elders here, that we would shepherd these people well, but that we would also entrust them to you because you are the good shepherd, the great shepherd. So, Father, we ask that you would shepherd us through these seasons of life. Again, we love you. We thank you for Christ. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, starting out, Scripture does say quite a bit about this final season of life. And the first thing it says is that Scripture speaks very highly of the old. Their praise for their wisdom. We've read Proverbs 20, 29 the past two weeks, which says that an old man's gray hair is his splendor. Well, again, what's so splendid about gray hair? Well, gray hair is typically, hopefully, theoretically, it should be a sign of wisdom. Likewise, Proverbs 16, verse 31 says, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Sounds like the kind of person who would have some wisdom to share with you. On top of that, Scripture also speaks about the level of respect that we're called to have for those older than us. Leviticus 19.32 instructed Israelites to stand in the presence of an older person. And then in the New Testament, Paul says in 1 Timothy five eight that if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially the members of his own household... He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We often quote that passage and focus all our attention on it, parents caring for children. But in the context of 1 Timothy 5, it can also refer to adults caring for elderly family members. If you look in 1 Timothy 5, almost all the verses right around verse 8 refer to widows. So older family members are certainly in view In that passage. And then finally, old age is often in scripture considered a blessing from God. Abraham and Job were said to have died at a good old age and full of years. In a world where life expectancy wasn't what it is today, someone who made it to the age of 60 or older would often be viewed as uniquely blessed by God. So scripture speaks very highly of the old but it also speaks very openly and honestly about old age. For example, in Ecclesiastes 12, the preacher describes the gradual breakdown of our physical bodies as we get older. Even though the language is poetic, Ecclesiastes 12 shows that the, shows us that the Bible is not naive. It's not overly romantic about how difficult aging can be. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Not exactly a great view of aging. The preacher goes on to compare failing vision with windows growing dim. Your teeth falling out to grinders being few on a farm. Your hair graying to an almond tree blossoming. Losing your hearing is like doors being shut to the street. And losing the spring in your step is like seeing a grasshopper that can't jump anymore. It drags itself along the ground. Again, scripture does not sidestep. It does not sugarcoat the very real hardships of getting old. That's true even in the case of a great man like David. 1 Kings 1 gives us a picture of the once strong, handsome warrior king nearing death as a frail old man who can't stay warm. So yes, scripture does speak highly of those who are advanced in years. But it also speaks very honestly about aging. On top of that, Scripture also gives quite a bit of instruction to the old. In Titus 2, 1-3, Paul tells Titus to lead older men to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. He adds that older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Just because you're old just because you're wise and just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you don't need instruction anymore. It doesn't mean that you can't fall into temptation. And you know, if we're being honest, we all know that that stereotype of old people being cranky, impatient, or high-maintenance doesn't always come out of nowhere. The truth is that life can beat you down. Life can steal much of your joy. And truthfully, you can't always blame an older person for not exactly brimming with optimism all the time. Especially if they're experiencing the things described in Ecclesiastes 12. But the truth remains that whether you're old or whether you're young, age is not an excuse for sin. And older people still need instruction, still need discipleship. Preacher Kevin DeYoung says... There are two types of old Christians. There are those who fret and fuss about how bad things have gotten and how rotten kids are these days. These cantankerous old rascals don't like the church's music, people, or pastor. Now, thankfully, we don't have any of those people here. But then there are Christians who, like fine wine, get better with age. They pray more. They get wiser and kinder. They understand what really matters. They love the Lord, and every day they read their large print Bibles with the devotional tucked in as a bookmark. They pray for their kids and grandkids without ceasing. They're a pastor's best friend, and they long to be with Jesus. So for all those out there heading into life's last lap, what type of senior saint will you be? Crotchety or Christ-like? Those are the questions that we all ask of ourselves in this final season of life. Scripture also instructs the old to remember that even as they age, their mission remains. Joshua read from Psalm 71 earlier in the service. Verses 17 and 18 say, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15 says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So even as we walk through our final season of life, God is not done working through us. God called Abraham when he was 75, and Moses when he was 80. Likewise, we are still called to proclaim God's might still called to proclaim his power to those who come after us, no matter how old we are. We still bear fruit for his glory, even as we age. Discipleship is something you never retire from. At age 88, theologian J.I. Packer wrote this, Retirees are admonished, both explicitly and implicitly, in terms that boil down to this, Relax, slow down. Take it easy. Amuse yourself. Do only what you enjoy. This is a warrant for taking it easy across the board and prioritizing self-indulgence for the rest of our lives. This agenda as a whole turns out to be a recipe for isolating oneself and trivializing one's life with apathetic boredom becoming one's default mood day after day. Over time, this will generate a burdensome sense that one's life is no longer significant, but has become, quite simply, useless. That is what I affirm with regard to our culture's agenda for aging. It is one of the huge follies of our time, about which some frank speaking is in order and indeed overdue. Whatever admonitions Paul might have addressed to aging Christians recommending relaxation and taking things easy would not have been among them. Now, is J.I. Packer saying that retirement is inherently sinful? No, he's not. Retirement is not necessarily sinful, but it can be if you think it means that you're no longer called to serve God. It can be if you think that you're no longer called to bear fruit. It can be if you think you're no longer called to proclaim God's might and power to those who come after you. So scripture instructs the old quite a bit, but it also encourages the old. Isaiah 46, 3 and 4 say, God speaking. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, Even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. You know, every single one of us will eventually age, regardless of what season of life you might be at this moment. All of us will weaken. But God does not. And that is a wonderful source of encouragement. It's a wonderful source of comfort. Preacher Charles Spurgeon once said that God kisses away the fear of aging with his promises. He kisses away the fear of aging with his promises. The fear of getting old loses much of its power. When we remember that when we die, we will be with Christ. If he doesn't come first. It loses some of its power when we remember that one day our bodies will be made new. As Christ's body was made new at his resurrection. So scripture encourages the old. But finally, scripture reminds the old, and really it reminds every single one of us, of our own mortality. David says in Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6, O Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days as a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. You know, in our day and age, we've forgotten how to talk and think about death. Our generation, maybe more than any other before us, doesn't often have to talk, doesn't often have to think about death. We can go years and years and years, and if we play our cards right, not really be confronted with very much death. It's unpleasant. Some might even say it's scary. And so we avoid death entirely. But the truth is that as we age, avoiding death gets harder and harder and harder. My grandparents, my grandfather is 90 years old, my grandmother's in her late 80s. They recently went to the funeral home to talk about their funeral, make some changes, make sure they had things in order. And one of the changes they made is that they're no longer planning to have an indoor service as part of their funeral. They just want it to be a simple, short graveside service. And part of the reason they made that change is they said that, you know, all of our friends are gone. Most of the people who would come to that indoor service aren't around anymore. Again, as we get older, it gets harder and harder and harder to avoid the reality of death. But you know, maybe that isn't an entirely bad thing. Because there is great wisdom in remembering that one day, unless Christ returns first, we will all die. As Isaiah 40 says, all flesh is like grass that withers. Whether you're young or middle-aged or old, that's the truth. And so we all need to remember this all the time, every season of life, but especially as we navigate this final season of life. Now, that might not seem like the most positive, the most hopeful note to end on. But in Psalm 39, right after David talks about how quickly our lives pass us by, he says this, picking up in verse 7. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Specifically, our hope is in Christ's broken body and shed blood on the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. So even as we get closer to the end of this life, we remember that it isn't really the end at all. Those who believe in Christ are saved. And one day we will be raised and made new. And in the words of theologian D.A. Carson, there's nothing wrong with our aging bodies that a good resurrection won't fix. So for the old in this room, I would challenge you, I would encourage you to finish strong. Whether you've got five years left, 10, 20, 30 or more, finish strong. God is able to preserve you to the end, and he's not done using you yet. Even when you're tired. Even when you're hurting. And even when deep down you're kind of just wishing that God would hurry up and take you already. Finish strong. And if there are times when you feel like the world has passed you by. If there are times you feel like the world has forgotten about you. Know that God hasn't. And for the young and middle-aged in this room, a challenge for us as well. We ignore neglect, or take for granted older believers at our own peril. And in doing so, we disobey God. In 1 Kings 12, Solomon's son Rehoboam goes to two groups of people for advice on how he should begin his reign. He takes the advice of young, arrogant men rather than the advice of older, wiser men. And Rehoboam's poor judgment marks the tragic beginning of the kingdom of Israel being split in two. So may we avoid that error. May we be reminded of the dignity and worth of older believers and give them proper care, respect, and honor. But may we also value their wisdom and take their words seriously, both for their good and for ours. May we not commit the sin that C.S. Lewis referred to as chronological snobbery, the assumption that anything old is bad, oppressive, or even evil. May we love and honor older believers, and in doing so, may we love and honor God. So at this time, I'm going to ask several of our older believers to join us on stage. That would be Denise O'Grady and Mike and Kim Davidson, and Jeanette McLaughlin. And if you've been here the past two weeks, you kind of have an idea of how this will work. And if you haven't been here, here's how it'll work. We're going to have five questions on the screen that I asked each of these people. And what we talk about today is inspired by how they answered those five questions. All right. Are you really not going to sit next to each other? (laughs) I'll start with Denise. And just for the sake of a reminder, uh, these are the five questions that we asked, and I think we can get these up on the screen. Question number one was, what are the unique challenges of following Jesus in this season of life? Question two, what are the unique opportunities you have to follow Jesus in this season of life? Number three, what wisdom would you offer younger believers? Number four, how can your brothers and sisters in Christ better serve, pray for, and encourage you? And then number five, what unique contributions can you make to the body of Christ at your age? So I'm going to start with Denise. And for all four of you, when you're speaking into the microphone, make sure you hold it really close to your mouth. That way everybody can hear you. So this is Denise O'Grady. Uh, She's been a member of our church for a long time now. She serves here in multiple capacities, works at IUPUI, helping educate young minds, at least trying to. And so, Denise, I'll start with you. Uh, In response to question number two, you said this. I've discovered that aging is extremely freeing. I no longer care what other people think of me if they agree with me. If they like my opinions, I know who I am and what I believe and am quite comfortable with it. So I can see how this could be a double edged sword, because on the one hand, not being desperate for the approval of other people can free you up to do a lot of really good things. But then on the other hand, it can also be a temptation because you don't want to use that freedom of not caring to basically be an excuse for being rude or being obnoxious or being inflexible. Uh, So how do you walk that fine line of stewarding that freedom the right way?
1: Well, there's a, a distinction between not caring what people think of me and not caring about people. And I do care about people, particularly their salvation. And when I was younger and was chasing after approval or wanted to be liked um, you know all the things that younger people go through if i had an opportunity to share my faith with someone i would hesitate and probably not do it because i was afraid they would think i was weird or a jesus freak or not like me anymore not want to be my friend you know, all of those things that you deal with. However, now, because, um, first of all, all my friends already think I'm weird. So, <laughs> no longer a problem. And I, because I don't care what people think of me, I um, don't have any problem talking to somebody about my faith, whether it be a young person, somebody old, somebody I don't know, somebody I know really well because i don't i know who i am and i know what i believe and whether or not they think i'm a jesus freak i kind of hope they do if they whatever they think of me if they decide they don't want to be friends with me it doesn't bother me anymore that is something that at least i can't speak for anybody else but comes with age for me it's kind of like oh well And so it's made it, it's freed me to feel much uh, more courageous and much more willing to share my faith with other people.
0: Okay, very good. I really like what you said at the beginning. There's a difference between not caring what other people think about you and not caring about people. That's a really good, picky, memorable way to remember Denise's point. So, okay, thanks, Denise. All right, now we're going to move to Mike and Kim Davidson. Uh, they've been here for a long time. Mike actually served as an elder when I first got hired at Prairie View, and they oversee small groups. Uh, they recently became grandparents to twins. Uh, Mike is still working. Kim is retired. Congratulations, Kim, on your recent retirement. Uh, and so in your questions, uh, I appreciated your willingness to bring things up that a lot of us don't like talking about, don't like thinking about, kind of like I mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, and your answer is you mentioned that you're planning for retirement, which can be stressful. Uh, you're planning funerals, which again, we like to avoid talking about that. Uh, you're planning for your long term legacy, which again, people often focus so much on right now that who has time to think about your legacy? Uh, so, how might you encourage another believer in your season of life, or even maybe a little bit younger, uh, to think about? And plan for those things. What guidance or encouragement would you maybe give to those people?
2: Okay, um, first off, uh, I'll take any question out of your mind. I am the most junior person on this channel, so, so, you know, I just barely make it into this age group. So, um, you know, anyway, um, I would, I would tell people that um there's a lot of things in life that they need to think about um, plan for um, and what I have found true in my own life is that I had a really bad tendency to start thinking only of myself that in our society you know it 's all about getting ready for retirement and um you know, getting, getting everything in place and it's all about you. Sound familiar? <laughs> and, uh, but it's, but I've come to know that it's not. That, uh, things happen, um, and, uh, it's, it's not all about us. It's, um, it's about other people and primarily it's about God. So getting ready at the end towards the end of your life, uh, I think is a more freeing experience uh, to to allow you to plan but not dwell on it. Um, you know things are going to happen, things that you can't control um, one day all of this will end um, a A legacy um, with any meaning to it at all is lived it out in the lives of the people that follow you. Um, Realistically, uh, you know, after two or three generations after me uh, pass away, no one is ever going to remember me. Um, They will. They may still be familiar with uh you know, pictures in a photo album or, or uh little passages written in a diary or something like that, but um it's it's more important that we pass along things, um things that we've learned in this life. Um you know, Ben mentioned that we just became grandparents and that's kinda of where I see our legacy is going to be in the, um, in the way that uh, our children live out their lives and our children's children uh, live out theirs. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, uh, important to plan, but don't dwell.
0: Okay. And then in response to questions two and five, uh, you listed – Multiple unique opportunities you have Contributions you can make to the church In this season of life That maybe you couldn't make At other stages of life uh, So what are some of those opportunities And contributions that you feel You can make right now That maybe you couldn't make when you were younger And how can that maybe encourage them
3: First of all I think we're all really depressed By now We're all, <laughs> we're all hurtling towards death here Apparently <laughs> But I think when you get older, you have, you have a more, you know what's important, what's important to do, what's important for you to take responsibility for. And, you know, us old people, we don't sleep very much apparently. So we can get here early for, you know, to make up hospitality or take care of the kids. But I think more importantly, you can be a prayer warrior better than the younger people. Um, You can be a mentor to other people. You can just be an example. Um, A discipleship is very important at this age. We do, believe it or not, know a lot now. Um, But we're not, you know, I think when I was younger, the old people in our church were really old fogies. And now we're not. I mean, who was dancing at the wedding last weekend? That's what they said, too. Yeah, see? (laughs) We were
0: dancing. We
3: were having a good time. When you get old, you don't have to be, you know, so serious all the time. Okay.
0: All right, and lastly, I'm going to go to Jeanette McLaughlin. Uh, Jeanette's been here at Prairie View for a couple years now, and if you've been here for very long at all, there's a really good chance that you've received some sort of kind, encouraging note from her at some point. Uh, And of course, part of the reason I also asked Jeanette up here is that you could listen to Jeanette read the phone book. Uh, So you have waited well and waited faithfully, and now's your chance to hear Jeanette with a microphone. Uh, So Jeanette, uh, in response to question number one, you mentioned that uh, your physical health has been one of the Mm. unique challenges of following Jesus in this season of life. And so how have you been able to work through those challenges as your body ages? uh, What guidance would you give other believers dealing with similar challenges?
4: I think health is a big challenge as you get older. I, I find now that I have back problems, knee problems, don't have the same strength that I used to have and can't do the things that I did like five years ago. Um, and that, that could become very disheartening when you look back at what you used to be able to do and what you can no longer do now. Um, when I first moved here five years ago, I started volunteering at the St. Vincent de Paul's Food Pantry. And um, I did that once a week. And uh, after about three years, I realized that my knees just couldn't take the walking back and forward on the cement. So I had to quit doing that. But, but I still do washing and ironing for them of children's clothes. And when I take these clothes back each week, they sell them in the thrift shop. And uh, the proceeds from that go to buy food for the food pantry. So I still feel like I'm doing something uh, and still helping other people. Um, but um, I, I, I really believe you have to not dwell on what you can't do, but think about what you can do. And uh, I think we're all given gifts to use to help each other. Um, I can still write notes, which doesn't take a lot of strength. And the, I like to cook, so I can cook sometimes for people, and, and that's not overly stressful. But but I think the main thing as I get older, I slow down, and I don't. I, I have more time than I used to have. Um, I can take time now in the mornings. I very seldom set my alarm, except for Sunday mornings. I um, don't make appointments till later on in the morning, uh, and that gives me more time. And I think the most important thing I. I have more time for devotions and for prayer. I, um, I didn't have that time when I was younger. When I was younger, it was quick prayers and rush out the door. Um, but now I do have that time. Um, I don't get down on my knees. I never will get down on my knees. I sit in my comfortable recliner, and uh, I pray for everyone in the, on the Pretty View prayer list and I pray for everyone on my small group list and then I have my own prayers and concerns and um, I just um, I can just do that now, I couldn't do that when I was younger and I think that's really important Um, so that's one big advantage of getting older, you have more time to do these kind of things which are important and um, it's really not all bad getting old. There are some really good things about getting old. Okay.
0: And then finally, uh, in your answers, you said that you really appreciated younger people at Prairie View who have made you feel important. Uh, and, and so, how specifically can believers here, young believers, middle aged believers, how can we help you in your season of life and other people mm-hmm. in this season of life? Uh, how can we help you feel valued and appreciated? and included in the life of the church?
4: You know, I I think it's important for the church to reach out to the older people, especially the ones who can't come here for health reasons every Sunday morning, just so that they know that they're still connected and they're still important. Because I think, especially when you attend a congregation where the majority of people are younger than you are, you, you could tend to feel that you're just not participating the same and you don't have the same connection. So I think that's really important. But, but I have found it pretty view since I came that eh, people are so friendly here. I've never felt unimportant. And if I walk in the door on a Sunday morning and several people talk to me or say, how are you doing, Jeanette? That, that's all I need. That's all I need to feel that I'm connected and that I belong. And, and I think Prairie View does a really good job of that. So keep it up. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, we've gotten a lot of wisdom from Scripture and a lot of wisdom from these people today. Uh, so with that, let's thank them for joining us up here. And I'll pray. Uh, when we're done praying, you all can... Head back to your seats, and Mark and the worship team will lead us in singing. So let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for the opportunity to read your word, learn from your word, uh, step back and think. Uh, So often we get so absorbed with the day-to-day responsibilities and needs and functions and the different hats that we wear And we don't often have time to really think about what matters. And your word gives us many, many, many good reminders of what really does matter. Uh, Your word gives us all kinds of instruction for every season of life. But uh, it also reminds us and encourages us to invest in eternity, not just in the short term. Uh, And Father, thank you for these people who have that same wisdom. Uh, Thank you for the older people in this church who... Mean so much to this congregation Uh, again our congregation would not be the same uh, if not for The different people in different seasons of life with the different strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and challenges Um, Again, this is what makes a church family a church family Uh, And father I pray for these people specifically. Thank you for denise and mike and kim and jeanette uh, The unique contributions they make to this church uh, and again, remind us and remind them uh, to finish strong, no matter what season of life that we're in, uh, remind us and remind them that no matter how old we get, no matter how much we weaken, no matter how much we change, you are strong, you are consistent, you are faithful. And again, what, what a comfort and a joy and encouragement that is. And again, as the young people and the middle-aged people in this room, as we look to our futures, Uh, If it is within your will that we make it to 60 or 70 or 80 or older, I pray that we would be the same kinds of servants that these people are, that their example would encourage us and challenge us and inspire us to be faithful as well. Again, we love you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for these people. We thank you for this morning, and we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.